there is treasure in and beyond your pain. What you seek is seeking you, beloved, to feel, transmute and alchemize pain is your power and this power is within you right now if you'll only give yourself permission to access it to tune in to the truth of who you are to allow the healing of your soul self-healer rise welcome back to beautifully empowered today i want to do a podcast on the virgin archetypes i love archetypes in podcast number 58 i was gonna say 55 then but it's not it's 58 i did a podcast on the whore and the mother archetypes connecting that to ancient egypt or Kemet, or Kemetan spirituality their goddess mayat which is also astrologically speaking the um zodiac sign of libra which is the scales and so I wanted to continue that because it actually has been a while since I recorded the whore and the mother archetypes and I really want to go into the various archetypes. I definitely want to talk about the queen for sure but right now I want to talk about the virgin archetype and this is really interesting because in the way that I view it in, um, in my own experience and how I view being in relationships with various human beings, connections, lovers, all of that kind of thing, friendships, it's interesting to note, notice how people um, embody and express or deny various types of archetypes. So, for example, I remember just throwing this out there here, just to give an example of somebody that I feel was maybe suppressing their, you know, whore or um, goddess archetype is I went to um, a concert recently and I was dressed quite sensually. I remember I saw a lady who did look very, you know, appropriately dressed for the event. And she was scanning my body from head to toe. And she did it several times. She was sat right next to me. And it got me thinking again about how when we're imbalanced, when we're bringing it back to polarity again, when we're not balancing our inner masculine and inner feminine, we can either be too masculine or too feminine and either one of those are not balanced, not to say that they're bad or good, it just means that you're in balance. And I suppose that when looking at archetypes, looking at the various archetypes like the teacher or the inventor, the, the virgin, the queen, the visionary, the warrior, the witch, there's all these different archetypes um, that I've probably not listed quite a lot of them there. And it's it's really interesting how when we we don't integrate those or we're unaware of a particular type of archetype or energy that we could actually work with, we tend to project disapproval onto others that embody that because we've not in integrated it in our own lives. And I, I noticed this with this lady. Um, and I was just like, ah, oh, whatever, each to their own. You know, I'm, I'm in my sovereignty and it's not up to me to decrease my self just because somebody else feels threatened around me so the virgin archetype is a really interesting archetype it, it re clearly represents you know controlled idea of being pure or being um or at least sexually pure to be the virgin which is to be you know uh, undefiled and i'm thinking about now the zodiac sign of virgo which is interesting virgo virgin and it's really funny how people, when we're talking about like astrological archetypes and things like that, that people assume that Virgos are these like prim and proper. I'm okay. 
They may have a very, very self-reserved and very self-protective in a similar way to Scorpio, although not the same image in the world. But these are kind of like the freaks in the bedroom, like especially if it's like, okay, I'm not saying especially, but I've noticed if it's like a Virgo woman, she's so prim and proper at work or in society or, you know, you just see her publicly and she's just so, hmm, that is a pure woman. No doubt a Virgo woman is a freak in the bedroom. And I'd say the same for men as well. The shadow side to Virgo is that there is something that is being covered. So, for example, with Virgo in the way that they approach relationships, for example, is it's a very slow, methodical approach. Again, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, so it's all about intellectual intelligence. And it is very slow because it's an earth sign. So it's it's a slow process and they approach things very slowly. If you look at a guy that has his Virgo in Mars, sorry, his Mars in Virgo, which is how he probably approaches relationships sexually, or somebody with a Virgo sun or even sometimes a Virgo Venus or Virgo rising. Um, it's really interesting to see how that virgin archetype shows up with, with men and with women. And the shadow side to that is that a woman, for example, I'm just noticing, I try to give as many examples on my podcast as possible to make these podcasts really relatable. Um, in the way that this, I remember this woman was looking at me, I just thought, well, you know, it's, you know, when somebody projects that type of fear onto you, it could be because they're actually suppressing their own inner whore or inner goddess and the shadow side or the flip side to the virgin archetype is that that sexual repression can show up in other ways it's almost like a like to feel um an inner shame for your own denial of sexuality and then project it onto a woman that is more sensual or that a woman is more um confident with her sexual energy and it doesn't necessarily mean that you are having sex or it doesn't necessarily mean that you share your sexual energy with multiple people but a woman that is sensual it's very different from being sexual even i think sensuality is is a way of being it's not necessarily anything to do with the actual act of sex itself women or men even but as a woman i can only speak for myself there's a loss of that purity whenever you associate yourself with um the goddess archetype and i think even when we're looking at celebrities and we're looking at things like um, I'm going to give an example here. This is not to say that I think this person is bad or good. It's just a perception. And I'm sure many people can see this individual in many different ways. When I'm thinking about the oversexuality of people like Nicki Minaj, um, the Kardashians, or, you know, singers like Miley Cyrus or Katy Perry, or like any of those big names that you see, there's such a difference between that to me when I compare someone when I compare those type of singers to somebody like Beyonce, for example, who is actually a Virgo, which is actually really interesting in how she is very sensual. I would see that I would say that Beyonce is very sensual. And although she does embody that sexual energy, it's more of a um I don't know, it's it's not as overly sexual as a lot of the pop stars that we see today yes she's bringing that sexual energy but I think there's such a class with it like I saw Beyonce play live when I was like 15 and I was like how the heck is she you know she's got such a, a classy way of being able to maintain these incredibly powerful songs yet dancing at the same time and you think you know because I'm not going to mention any artist names but you know there's a lot of singers out there that would mime while they're 
singing because it is actually very difficult to sing at the same time as dancing. I find it really interesting when you look at how people um, perceive themselves to be in this world in this conscious perception of themselves and how actually they are inwardly and so I think there's definitely a shadow side to when you are very aligned with your virgin archetype there is an energy about about women that is very controlled for example um when so for example I find it really odd when men this is not being this is I'm trying not to think back on my hair when um certain type of men paint women out to be um so for example they're projecting their own femininity onto women instead of embracing a woman for who she actually is because it might be an in denial of their own feminine and so to try and squash a woman's whole identity and whole presence and whole consciousness into a box of but you're not really that pure and you're not really, you're not that wife material type of woman that I want to be with. Ultimately, one thing that I think is that, yes, you know, it's it's amazing to have a prim and proper presentation to the world if that's, if, if the virgin archetype is an archetype that you resonate with, but you could easily be still embodying the whole archetype with your partner. You know, it's, it's a kind of like having the, the conscious perception or the way that you present yourself to work to the world but then you have your own inward world and it's not that you're ashamed of either of them but that you learn to integrate them and sometimes on that shadow side there can be this disgust for women as opposed to just being like you know what i i don't particularly project myself like that into the world i wouldn't go out and and do those kind of things that you guys do but it's like you know having that appreciation for somebody that does that because that is their their energy, and it's again coming back to like the home you know homophobia, and people that want to control other people's sexual energy because their own energy is repressed, um, and I I feel like it's the same thing. It's like having a disgust for women, you know, and it, and there's nothing wrong with being like oh okay I don't align with that, you know. For me personally, I wouldn't have plastic surgery, but it's not to say that I think that women that have plastic surgery are disgusting. And there's a shame with it. You know, I personally feel that under underneath a lot of that plastic surgery and the obsession to alter every single part of your body to look to look like a particular standard that you have chosen subconsciously to align with. I think a lot of that, there is a lot of sadness in that. Um and the inability to maybe heal on deeper levels, but that's only my perception. But I don't look at women and go, "Oh, you're disgusting," you know. It it just is. I just don't align with it, and I don't I don't put my energy toward that. You know, sometimes when we've um had you know negative sexual experiences, we can also shut off from expressing ourselves in certain ways. I um, think that that is a really interesting thing to look at. You know in that with the virgin archetype it is somebody that is very very controlled of their sexual control in control or control in they are very controlled with their sexual energy as opposed to just let it, letting loose or just allowing their sexual energy to almost flow the virgin is almost untouched but again the patriarchy has made it out as if 
The virgin is the property of a man and she should be untouched. I think there probably is a deep esoteric reason as to why Muslims wear the hijabs, I think it's called the hijabs, or sometimes where they're covering the whole face and the whole body. I definitely think that that relates to the moon with it being black and lunar consciousness and the whole, you know, even the fact that they have the moon as a symbol, um, the Islamic symbol. I think it is very connected to even the way that the men, Islamic men wear white and they're like a big white gown and the women wear black. It's that polarity again, which you find within all religions and spiritual practices is the the, the balance between masculine and feminine, day and night, black and white, the devil and God. Like, I definitely see that polarity there, which I think that's the way that I view it. But I think also at the same time, looking at it from perspective of where we are in the times, it's when I see a Muslim woman covering herself, is it because, because of a patriarchal religion coming from the dogmatic side of Islam that must have their women covered so that the world cannot see um, what is hidden. Um, from one lens is that the world shouldn't be able to see a woman's hair and a woman's beauty and her legs and her skin because then she is causing others to fall into temptation. And it's kind of like the Christian story of Adam and Eve Um where Eve was almost, you know, if you're not looking at it from an esoteric perspective, you're going to see it from an exoteric perspective in, in the fact that Eve was blamed for the, you know, the sin of Adam, which it was ultimately Adam's decision to eat the apple, yet Eve was blamed because she was the temptress. And this is going back to women in general, that when you have patriarchal views toward a woman, without seeing a woman for who she fully is, because Again, I'll say this again and I say it all the time. Human beings are complex anyway. So even if you go by a label, a title, it doesn't really matter ultimately because you are consciousness and you are never going to fit into a label that you've given yourself or that somebody else has given you. Because there's so many nuances about people. There are so many, you know, experiences within childhood that have, that have affected who you are or, or to say you've, they've shaped who you are. And at the same time, it's like, those things can change. It's like we've all been through trauma, but it, it is ultimately what you choose to do with it. And the things that, say, for example, me on my personal journey, the things that I did or I experienced, you know, prior to deciding to heal, I did those things because that was my way of either de denying that I was in pain. That was my way of trying to heal from pain subconsciously or unconsciously. Um, that was my way of trying to, to, to experience life through that lens of trauma. But then when you try, when you decide to heal, try to heal, decide to heal, because it is a conscious choice um, by acknowledging what is unconscious and what is subconscious, because I think you have to recognize what's under the surface level of your personality and your life and realize there is a whole ocean underneath all of that that is being affected by those first seven years where your parents didn't love you in the right way. They didn't love you unconditionally because how could have they? How could have they loved you in the way that you needed them to love you? Because they're not inside your consciousness. They're not inside your mind. They love you based on how their parents love them. And, you know, thinking about my, my, one of my grandparents, you know, she was a war child and went through that whole, you know, going to live with another family and then being adopted and, 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 
yeah, being re- reunited later on with their original family, but, you know, that in itself is a huge trauma. And if we look at, especially if you're British or English, if you look at your parents' history and what they've been through, you can definitely see how it makes sense to have grace with your parents and to have forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean it's a license for them to continue behaving in the same way towards you after you've expressed a boundary. I think sometimes this is what I've realised over the past few years, that unless you express a boundary, we, we can't expect people to not cross them because they don't even know it's a boundary in the first place. A boundary has to be something that is vocalised to somebody. This is my boundary and I don't want you to cross over it. It's not, you've annoyed me and now you've crossed over my boundary. Well, human beings don't really know what a boundary is in, in your relation, you know, your interpersonal relationship with them, unless you've actually vocalised that to them. With boundaries as well, there's always action needed as well to be like, okay, you've I vocalised my boundary to you, you've crossed it, I have told you what will happen as, you know, the repercussions of you doing that and so I'm going to step back now or I'm going to remove myself from this this relationship you know or just you know and coming back to (laughs) the virgin archetype because that's what I'm talking about here it's really interesting that you know the mythology of the virgin goddess is one that is in control of her sexuality um but she also has choices that she can make herself and all these different archetypes we have different words for these archetypes um, and ultimately it is to know yourself um, and to see what types of energies um, show up in your life or how you're choosing to live through your consciousness in this life. Virgin, it's really interesting when you look at that because the virgin archetype, it's almost like you have such high expectations for yourself somebody that is that that may struggle with perfectionism and again this is very associated with the archetype of virgo is that the virgo archetype and whenever we talk about archetypes on zodiac signs you're not specifically talking about somebody that is a virgo although that that is ultimately the archetype that 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 kind of or the energy that that kind of in that bit that individual excuse me works with it's like you know for example you know i'm i'm not gonna say i'm a cancer but my zodiac sign is a Cancer Sun, Scorpio Moon, and Leo Rising, and I absolutely do work with those energies, and I can see how I'm very much a Cancer Sun. I can see how I'm very much a Leo Rising. I can I can see how I'm very much underneath a Scorpio. How my Cancer Sun personality and my lunar Scorpio, which is what is under the surface, which many people don't see unless they know me very closely, that gets expressed through Leo Rising. So how I express myself through the world is very, very Leo. Um, and most people upon meeting me for the first time will say, oh, are you a Leo? Are you an Aries? Are you a Gemini? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> but I am a Leo rising though. And that comes out in how I express myself artistically through my music. Um, just even the way that I dress. I, I'm very, not theatrical, but I love to, I don't feel myself unless I'm expressing myself in different ways. You know, I, I you know, um, that are very unique to my mood and my personality and things like that. Um, archetypal journey of the Virgin archetype um, is followed in the movies Bend It Like Beckham, Ever After, Brokeback Mountain, Billy Elliot, Better Than Chocolate, Virgin Suicides. Virgin Suicides is a really interesting movie um, that I've not watched in a few years, but it was one of my favourite movies growing up. And it's that whole Virgin archetype um and obviously virgin archetype includes both male and female obviously it doesn't matter whether someone is gay 
because or you know pansexual or whatever it the, the whole yin and yang, yang thing is that you have both energies and then it's an energy that runs throughout nature as well and it's when we're able to balance those you know when you think about Taoism, it's about that middle way and being able to balance the the energy that is within you you know typically when we think about the word virgin i'm just going to get this book that esoterically speaks about um well a lot but um oh this is me being greatly prepared isn't it not having any notes but um i'm just looking at Um, what's interesting when you look at Virgo and look look at Virgo's opposite sign which is Pisces, it's earth and water that's actually Jesus and Mary esoterically speaking because Jesus is the symbol of Pisces fisher of men the self-sacrificial symbol um, which is also a water sign you know, um, which would be the archetype of Jesus and then Mary is the archetype of Vir Virgo and they are complementary opposites to each other so you get that astrotheology within Christianity, which is is really, really beautiful. That when you see a picture, when I personally see a picture of the Virgin Mary or um, with Jesus, I, I ultimately think about the polarity of the feminine, mas the feminine and the masculine. Um, and also of, of course, the balance between yin and yang, um, night and day the devil and God, all of that, because I, I definitely see that polarity is is so interesting. This is the secret teachings of all ages by manly people. <laughs> when we think of, in the Bible, I don't know if anyone is Christian here, or that somebody did grow up Christian, in Christianity, when you look at, even in the book of Revelation, where it talks about the woman with stars, um, I think it's like stars over her head, that represents... Um, the queen of heaven which is actually isis so virgin the virgin is also connected to the queen of heaven talks about a great wonder appearing in the heavens a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet under her head a crown of 12 stars this woman represents the constellation of virgo and also the egyptian isis the egyptian goddess isis which is actually really really interesting most people um misconnect Isis to Mayat. I think that Isis actually does look like Mayat because of the feather, the phoenix feathers, but you'll notice that they actually look a little bit different. And it says here in the mystery, in the secret teachings of all ages, that the virgin can be interpreted to signify the secret doctrine itself and her son, the initiate born out of the womb of the mysteries. And when you think about that just esoterically, it's like the virgin representing the womb as well, not just being uh, a virgin archetype or being somebody that is very self-contained but it's also being aware of how you're using your womb as well like how you know there's nothing wrong from my perception you know in somebody that has casual sex or somebody that chooses especially if they're choosing consciously being aware of what is hidden beneath those conscious choices to have a lot of sex with people but I think you get to a point where you realise that everything is energy, as I've spoken about for the past three years on this podcast. But 
and that how you choose to use your energy, whether it is to be embody the virgin archetype, whore archetype, the goddess archetype, and my favourite being the goddess. Um, I wrote a song about two years ago. Um, it is, no, sorry, a year ago. Um, it's based on Alice in Wonderland and it's called Wonderland. And there's a line in the song where it says, I am the queen of the chessboard. I move anywhere I like. I move anywhere I like. And that's the beautiful thing about the queen on the chessboard is that she does move wherever she wants. And there's a reason why it is the queen. Um, and so the mysteries that come out of using your womb power in a way that serves you, that you birth this Christ consciousness. And if, you, if you're able to understand energy, you're able to understand how this world works, which is a game and you just have to know how to play it. And when you're able to use your womb, your inner womb, this can this is nothing to do with whether you're a man or a woman. Absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, a man might not have a womb, but he certainly has access to womb consciousness, especially if he is somebody that is very in touch with his feminine energy. And when you're able to you be consciously aware and be so disciplined in your mind and this is why polarity is so important to to balance because and not just that when you're thinking about just consciousness in general when we're giving our energy to something that we don't like for example we, we don't like something and we we protest about it and we focus on it and we fight against it like when i see like a lush bag that says fight against that fighting against animal testing i'm just like what does that even mean? Why are we fighting against something? Why do we not just align with what we are for and give energy to that? And therefore what we are apparently against, we don't give that, we don't give more of our energy to it. Because ultimately, if you're giving your energy to it, you're just as much aligned to that as the so-called enemy that you're fighting against. Because either way, your energy is going toward it. Um, and when you're able to control this, I suppose it's not control, but the virgin archetype, when you're able to become aware of how you're using your womb power, become aware of your sexual energy, you can actually create with that sexual energy. And that's when, you know, the Virgin Mary gives birth to Christ or, you know, you've given birth to an idea that manifests. Isis, the virgin of the world. So I'm reading here. So it says, it is especially fitting that a study of hermetic symbolism should begin with a discussion of the symbols and attributes of the Psytic Isis. This is the Isis of Seis, oh my god, famous for the inscription concerning her, which appeared on the front of a temple in the city. And it says, I, Isis, am all that has been, that is, or shall be. No mortal man hath ever me unveiled. So the word Isis means wisdom. And it's derived from the name Isis from the Hebrew Iso and a Greek word which means to save. She was known as the goddess with 10,000 appellations and was metamorphosized by Christianity into the Virgin Mary. Again, I've said this before on podcasts, the connection between Isis and Virgin Mary. For Isis, although she gave birth to all living things, chief among them, the sun, Eshuen still remained a virgin according to the legendary accounts. So Isis is also known as Diana as well. And by many other names. Also, like when you think about the virgin archetype, it's almost like this individual doesn't want to be touched. Or almost like it's a woman that embodies such purity and such such a naive presence that you wouldn't even want to play the same game with her that you that that some men may play on another woman you know because there's there's a purity to this woman 
and it's also what is actually seen as traditionally female. There's an interesting thing about that, that, you know, what we see as traditionally female is the virgin, the housewife, the one that bears the children, the one that stays home. And, you know, she's not somebody that, she's not the same as the queen because the queen can handle the stress of maybe being a mother if that's what she wants, but also being able to handle the stress of work at the same time. And she's not somebody that is subservient to the king or to, you know, the, the one that is the more masculine in the relationship. I think the queen definitely does embody a lot of masculine energy there as well. It's really interesting as well, looking at how individuals that overly identify with being, and there's nothing wrong with these archetypes. I just think it's really interesting to talk about these things. That's why I talk about them. But um, the virgin archetype, it paints this picture of somebody that is that has the inability to even have an orgasm. And we might associate the intense um, expression of the female orgasm with maybe the queen or maybe the whore or the temptress, but certainly not the virgin. Um, there's a sexual and physical intimacy that there's not so much associated with the virgin archetype, um, a kind of naive lack of sexual experience. Also looking at how like marriage transferred the power of the father to the husband and the virgin becoming the property of the man. And again, I think it's really interesting to look at marriage anyway, is that, you know, or looking at even Venus and Mars in terms of a birth chart, you know, say, for example, you might have a Mars in Cancer and a Venus in Aries or whatever it is. And typically when we're looking at psychology, like how Jung talked about the animus, and the anima is the same as our Venus and Mars in that it's how Carl Jung described the part of our collective unconscious. So for example, the animus would be the, the part of a woman's unconscious that is masculine and the anima is the unconscious feminine side of a man and how that affects our psyche that sometimes when a woman is unconsciously unaware of her animus her mars energy she will then project that onto a man and want to be with that man because that's the anim animus within herself and it can be the same with a man that his anima or his unconscious feminine or his venus is not integrated and so he'll either shame a woman for something that he's not integrated within himself that actually does exist, or he will move toward that woman because ultimately marriage, esoterically speaking, is, is, the, is the, the balance, the marriage between our inner yin and yang, our inner feminine and masculine, not so much I need to marry that man because my inner masculine sees itself through the mirror image of this man. And a man might say, and again, this is not really about gender, but um, somebody that is more feminine, that maybe is lacking in their masculine energies, you know, might say, oh, you know, this anima in this woman, this feminine energy in this woman represents something that is also in me. And I'd like to be with that woman so that this woman brings out my own inner feminine. And that that's how interesting the psyche is, is that when we're not integrating our own 
masculine and feminine energies regardless of gender or sexual expression none of that is anything to do with it it's quite irrelevant really we do try and get those needs met by the opposite sex almost or somebody that has an opposing energy to ourselves and that itself is an anthropomorphic archetype of the unconscious mind that Jung spoke about and I think when you look at um, esoteric astrology which is actually psychology which most people don't understand that and how even Jung himself was very into the occult and very into astrology and looking at your birth chart and seeing how the Venus and the Venus and Mars play out it's actually really interesting and looking at those shadow archetypes of, of relationships you know the anima making up the, the the unconscious feminine that is within a man and the animus being the masculine ones that are possessed by by a woman so I'm very in touch with my animus I'm very in touch with my masculine um, I think I'm definitely also in touch with my anima as well but um, I'm definitely very, and I th- again, this might be come down to my Leo rising and my Leo Mars because that masculine presence is there. So ultimately, I think what we do is we project our Mars and our Leo, sorry, our Mars and our rising. Apparently from what I've read, we project our, our Mars sign onto men. Mine's very Leo and I've, I've, I've spoken to a lot of men about this that they do get that from me. It's very masculine, but that's just how you're projecting your mars sign how you're how you're uh how you're integrating the venus and the mars so yeah that is interesting i just wanted to mention that (laughs) and it's funny because virgin being associated with virgo and how both the virgin archetype and virgo move very slowly so it's not somebody you, you you know you can't rush a woman or a man or whoever that is is embodying their virgin archetype you can't rush these people they are very slow they are very methodical they are very mm, what you're doing is not in alignment with my energy that wants to move slowly and that association with purity it definitely gives off the impression that you're looking for something a lot more tangible than just mere obvious over sexual connection with somebody and it is definitely something a bit more introverted so to speak from one perspective and a bit more thoughtful that you've put some thought into how you approach a woman or you've put some thought into how you want to kind of get to know a woman you know asking questions or just not being so overtly sexual I have no Virgo in my birth chart whatsoever (laughs) I have no Gemini either and I have no Pisces I have Pisces in my planets um and also Virgo, my planets, but in terms of my, sorry, my houses, in terms of my planets, I've got no mutable energy. Virgo energy energy is quite mutable, meaning that it's it's almost like the shape-shifting energy, that it it moves, it changes, and obviously Virgo being represented by um, the planet Mercury. So the opposite of the Virgin archetype is the sex deity. You know, the Virgin goddess would be in opposition to the sex deity so the virgin deity is almost like a goddess that is associated with virginity virtue purity chastity um and in mythology you notice that virgin goddesses are always female um but again when working with energy you can see how maybe this might might show up for a virgo man if 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 you know, or somebody that has got heavy Virgo in his birth chart. I mean, I'm thinking of somebody now who has got at least four or five planets in Virgo in the birth charts and they embody 
Virgo energy like I've never seen before. And it's very, very analytical, approaching relationships and romance very analytically, like this is the right thing to do. I want to move slowly. I'm not interested in just going for the sex, you know, it's not like you're uh, an Aries where it's the firstborn and if you want something, you're going to go and get it. You know, it's not, you know, that fiery energy. It's slower, it's methodical, it's and earth signs are builders, you know, Virgo, Capricorn and Taurus. They are builders and because it's to do with the earth and it's 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 something, you know, earth being wanting, wanting to be nourished or needing to be nourished by water. Water nourishes the earth. That's why Virgo's complementary opposite is Pisces, which is a water sign, and you've got Virgo, which is an earth sign, Virgo being the Virgin Mary, and Pisces being Jesus Christ. So that's really interesting to connect those two. The Virgin archetype, as far as I've read as well, is also called the Maiden archetype. And these women are quite complex. They're, they're kind of like, I've had a few Virgo friends. I've had a Gemini son with a Virgo rising friend. She's a Cancer Moon. And the way that she, <laughs> the way that she projected herself in the world was very, very prim and proper. I had a Virgo friend that was so controlled um, that it was almost like really hard to experience a Pisces moon. And it's just really interesting when you look at people with really heavy Virgo in the birth charts, and it's the energy that is. Um, it it gives off a very. Um, embodied purity and independence. I find Virgos to be very, very independent in a similar way to Aries is also very, very independent and Scorpio. Um, and I would say Aquarius as well. They're just like very independent. Oh, Sagittarius, Jesus. These are very independent people as well. Um, I've said this before as well, that Virgin is very uh, misunderstood um in these times that like in ancient times the word virgin referred to an independent autonomous woman a woman that doesn't need to give answers to people that are asking questions like it's like for me i've got no virgo in my birth chart but i completely love virgo energy as long as it's not too much of it because <laughs> like high maintenance is so hard to put with you um and it's like you know if somebody asks me a question and you don't want to answer the question you just answer the question with another question or just be very blunt, because I am extremely blunt. It's a very, like, and I know who the most blunt people are in the world, like a Sagittarius or a Scorpio or an Aquarius or even an Aries, just like, I don't need to answer that question. I feel uncomfortable and I don't need to, I don't need to answer it just because you've asked it. And it's that kind of vir virgin archetype energy of its original meaning that actually means self-contained. So when looking at virgin from its original meaning, it's not so much that, I am pure and I am holy and I am, I am, you know, I am unsexually embodied. It's just that these these people are independent and self-contained. And when we look at how self-contained Vir Virgos are, there is a big difference in between the personality of a Virgo, which is very self-contained. But hey, you do not know what those Virgos are doing behind the scenes with their partners or whoever with because that's that's a part of the self-contained personality that is not available to anybody that wants to just peek in and have a look, you know, how sexual actually are you? Because the shadow side to Virgo as well is that you're so controlled with that sexual energy within your personality that surely the shadow side to that is surely 
that you're re- not re- not so much re- well it can be repressing not so much repressing it but you don't want to show the world all the sexual taboos that you're into and all the other kind of like all the things that maybe you don't want the world to see so the virgin archetype is an energy that again is quite naive but again looking at the virgin archetype as a personality that's just the personality and again being self-contained it's like this is your womb power that you can work with the energy of virgo or the archetype of virgo and i wish i would have done this podcast to be fair a few weeks ago because we were in virgo season so hey to all my virgos out there you guys are loved and i'm sorry i didn't do a podcast um, I definitely want to do one on a Scorpio, just because I'm a Scorpio moon and I just fucking love everything to do with Scorpio energy. Um, again, with um, my last podcast, the whore archetype. If Because we're in Libra season, I'm not going to do a podcast on Libra. I spoke a lot about Libra in the podcast 58, which is the whore, the whore and the goddess archetype, which is that, that is to do with Isis. So, if you want to have a look at Isis, which is the balance, Libra, sorry, not Isis, Mayat, sorry, which is balance, um, which is the scales, balance of the feminine, the masculine, then you can listen to podcast 58 if you, if you wanted to be a bit more in alignment with where we are right now, um, astrologically with it being Libra season. Um, again, it's like being assertive. Virgos are so assertive um and they're very individuated is that even a word they're very individual people um and again it's coming back to the original root the original meaning of the word virgo which is not how we're using it today is it means self-contained so a woman that is in her power she does not need to answer to men that are going to fool her with trickery you know the trickster comes along and hey might fool a pisces <laughs> or might fool a cancer or you know might fool a, like a really naive libra i don't know but a virgo no because you know again it's to do with mercury they, they they're using that mercurial mercurial energy of the mind which is to do with communication as well to be like mm, something's not adding up i can see what you know what your agenda is because i'm using the intellect of the mind to be able to decipher whether you're actually full of shit or not you know so um i find virgo a very interesting interesting energy and it's the i i suppose it is the opposite of the temptress archetype in that it's not to say that uh either of them are good or bad I think when you're looking at someone like um, Eve, which would have been possibly the maiden, would have been, you know, the maiden, a.k.a. the virgin archetype. And then you look at somebody like Lilith, for example, a black moon Lilith. You look at Lilith in your birth chart, um, that should show you where your seductress energy is or it's your powerful energy. Um, And there's that polarity or that contrast between Eve, who was the wife of Adam, the original woman, and then <laughs> Lilith comes along and she's like, hey, bitch. No, I'm only joking. She's just like, I am not going to lie underneath Adam. I am equal to Adam. I want to be on top. Adam's like, hell no, bitch. Subservient to me. Excuse me. And she's just like, no, I am equal to God and I am equal to you. And it's just like, you know, that bitch over there, Eve, <laughs> she was fucking created out of the rib of Adam. No, 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 I'm equal to Adam, you know? 
not created from his from his rib you know and that and that's that's the interesting thing about um the lilith archetype that it's like rebellion it's like but it's also like you can integrate that into your birth into your experience um in 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 being somebody that is 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 rebellious but is also um she she can also be somebody that is very neglectful of being a parent as well because it's like i think lilith did kill her children (laughs) but again that that you know killing children is that really is that really exoterically meant to be taken literally i don't think so i think it's all mythology allegory and it's meant to be symbol symbolically interpreted beyond words and understood at a deeper level that you know this this rebellion when it's not integrated in a healthy way can actually destroy ideas because even you look at the triangle you've got the holy trinity of the mother father and child the mother being the feminine side or the yin um sorry yang and then the masculine and the, the father being the yang and when they come together they birth the child they, they give birth to a child when you unite your feminine your masculine energy you give birth to new ideas you give birth to creativity you give birth to something higher than what you were operating the day before and so there, there are many women who unconsciously may be creating children because they don't understand that using their womb coming back to the virgin archetype here when they're not when they are not in a standing of how to use your sexual energy to birth something i did that podcast well, i think my foot my second podcast which is now my first podcast because i removed my first one or it just removed itself for some reason is the podcast that i did on sexual energy and how you can use masturbation to actually generate something bigger than just an orgasm because ultimately what what is an orgasm it's again it's energy and everything is energy money is energy relationships is energy sex is energy an orgasm is energy going to work and being under under your boss is energy going to school because they're teaching you how to fucking work with someone else draining your energy consuming rather than creating energy you know what is it we're doing every single day is expressing consciousness through energy everything in this matrix game is energy and again it's a game you want to know how to play it than in a stand energy at the most quantum level so an archetype is basically just instinctive patterns of behavior they're like universal symbols that carl jung referred to as the unconscious collective and it's basically the human experience basically that's what it is and we integrate these different images if say for example when you look at particular artists why are you gravitating toward them i can tell you now i've said this so many times I did the birth charts because when I got into astrology, I was just like so fascinated. Why do I feel a particular attraction to certain celebrities? It's not necessarily how they look. It's more about the energy that they embody because through that energy, people just become more attractive anyway because what is it we're attracted to? Energy, right? Everything is a polarity attraction. And so if you look at, if you do the birth charts of your favourite singers, your favourite actresses, your favourite music your favourite TV shows and look at the birth charts of the producers or the main cast, you'll see a particular archetypal pattern throughout the energy that you're you're attracted to. It's interesting, you know, somebody like, I don't know, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe might be more of the archetype of the temptress or the seductress or the whore archetype. And somebody like Diana, Princess Diana, God bless her soul, 
would embody more of the, the virgin archetype slash mother archetype. And these are different personalities and the variation in our psyches to some degree that women then we're not all the same that we don't all express ourselves in the same way and our feminine energy can show up in, in in various different ways you know some people are very sensual and very creative and very passionate and other people have a warrior spirit you know very aries and um some people have a very dark energy to them and and um i don't know a very mystical presence to them uh, the queen, the mystic, the sage, the lover, the huntress, the maiden, the mother. And these can all be, if we wanted to, integrated into our personality. It's like when I used to watch, you know, when I was, what, I think my, one of my si siblings is really into Sex and the City. She's obsessed with it. And when you look at the personalities of, of all the, the, the four women, it, it clearly represents the personality aspects of, it, of all of ourselves, you know some people would be like oh I really resonate with that character or when you're thinking about friends and you're thinking about Phoebe or like whoever it is I don't never been a big fan of friends not gonna lie but my ex was really into it so that was the only really reason why I watched it I did watch it when I was really young maybe when I was like 10 or 12 but I was never I've never massively into it and <laughs> looking at like how like you have like several characters in a show they all make up various aspects of our personality. And, you know, for example, Kim Cattrall as Samantha in Sex and the City, she was quintessentially an example of like the lover archetype or the seductress or the whore, you know? And, and it's like, we, ha we have a, pr a primal urge as women to connect and to create. And uh, the, the lover archetype represents a woman's erotic energy and a capacity for psychic and physical connection. Looking at, the, again, the maiden. So it's in mythology, Persephone, Isis. And as a psychological archetype, the, the virgin archetype, it's dominant in a woman's psyche. So it's like somebody that is just, again, very self-contained with its original connotation. Um, but the negative side is that these women can be very compliant and very passive. So, you know, women ultimately are at this stage prior to marriage or motherhood and a career. But it's also an opportunity to actually choose who you want to be. So if you look at, like, our life, in the trajectory of our lives, we could go through all of these stages. You could embody as many archetypes as you want. It's just becoming aware of the energy and where you're placing your energy, you know, throughout those archetypes. You can choose to have the personality of the virgin, the maiden um, in the world, if that's the way that you want the world to see you. But then you can completely embody the temptress, the lover, the seductress with your partner or whoever you want behind the scenes because maybe you just want to keep that part of you just for your intimate lovers. The Greek goddess Persephone's journey into the underworld teaches us about the maiden archetype. So Persephone, which is the innocent virgin, was abducted by Hades, who's the god of the underworld, and he removed her from her mother, Demeter? Demeter? Wow who is protective of Persephone and she becomes the god the goddess sorry she becomes the queen of the underworld which divides her time um above and below ground um 
it's almost like the virgin archetype has a sexual unawareness of herself and maybe others see into that as opposed to like the lilith archetype or the seductress who goes you know experiences those risky situations and allowing other men to, to, to abuse them so sometimes like when you're embodying the virgin archetype what can happen is you're only in that space for a short space of time if you've been through really traumatic you know situations with men or you've gone through any type of trigger word here sexual abuse or any abuse in any kind of way emotional physical women can start to embody more of the whole archetype from there the seductress because there is a loss there there is something that is lost and you feel like you've had your power taken from you and that inner strength taken and it doesn't necessarily mean that you that that you have to go through loss in order to integrate that but I do think that there is a kind of hmm there is a kind of like journey that you can see certain people going through that you know for me personally I I can see in my own life how I hmm, embody quite a few of the archetypes I definitely resonate with the goddess archetype um I definitely resonate with the mother archetype the whore archetype the virgin archetype as well can be associated with like youthful youthfulness that you know the the time in where before you have sexual experiences that can show up there as well and sometimes with those experiences those sexual experiences it changes you along the way or allows you to be who it is that you want to be. You can also transmute dissonance into inner wisdom with the virgin archetype. So the shadow side to that would be you're, you're manipulated into serving others. And when you're manipulated into serving others, you're ultimately gaslighting yourself. And Virgo, virgin archetype, again associated with Virgo, Virgo is probably one of the most self-sacrificial signs of the zodiac. Again, it's very similar to, very different actually, but also similar to its opposite sign, complementary opposite sign, which is Pisces. Both Virgo and Pisces are mutable signs, um, and they are both um, about self, uh, about service to others. Both of them. Virgo being the feminine side of the planet Mercury and Pisces being the feminine side of Jupiter, Neptune and Jupiter. And ultimately, I suppose, regardless of the archetype, it is really about knowing thyself, isn't it? And, and loving thyself, regardless of archetype, regardless of personality type, whether you've taken the Myers-Briggs test or, you know, you know, regardless of your astrological symbol, regardless of whether you're introvert or extrovert, regardless of your job title, regardless of your status in the world and what class you belong to and like how much money you make and what ethnic group you belong to, you know, all of these things ultimately can be of use to us if we decide to use those experiences and those titles consciously to uh, to understand that human beings are complex regardless of what we're discussing regardless of how somebody's showing up regardless of you know we've all had very unique childhood childhoods and we've been subjected to the consciousness of our parents and again coming to 
forgiveness here with it being the, the opposite side of Virgo, which is Pisces. So I'm going to work with that Christ archetype is having forgiveness for the fucking womb that that was was the portal for you actually coming here which is your mother um and having forgiveness for areas of i mean i I apply this to to my own life and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have these people in your life if these people are abusive towards you but it it does mean that somewhere along the line you know you would hope that you would want to forgive not every not you know for some people forgiveness is not an option and there's no black and white here but i think like for, for your own soul um, I think forgiveness can be, I'm just letting go of this. And in order to let go of it, I want to feel it, grieve it, understand it, process it, transmute it, so that I'm not staying in that consciousness of pain and trauma, but that you can use pain and trauma to actually um, become a better person than, than what you were yesterday. And not necessarily better in the sense of good. You want to be a good person, you know, virgin archetype being associated with being a good person but being more of a beneficial individual to yourself and to others and the more that you can become in love with yourself or that you can be of service to others for the needs of the times and I think that when you're tapping into your gifts anyway you're always going to be a benefit to yourself and to others because everybody has a gift that they've been given that will ultimately be of service to somebody else. I think that all of our gifts are in service to the world, and um, with Virgo and Pisces being the so you know being the most self sacrificial of the zodiac, um, especially Pisces. My goodness, if you if you know anyone with like a Pisces Sun or a Pisces Moon or a Pisces Venus, these individuals are very very self sacrificial. But the shadow side to that is I'm denying my needs and I'm gonna eventually become resentful of you because you've you've caused me to abandon myself instead of realizing that the well in which you give to others needs to be full for yourself before you give to others you know as jesus sacrificed himself for the sins of the world ultimately that self-sacrifice that self-sacrifice is Again, associated with the Abrahamic religions of sacrifice. <laughs> and I recently really got into Full Metal Alchemist because my friend lent me the book and I started watching the the anime. So I was reading the, reading the manga and then got into the anime. And it talks about equ- equivalent exchange. Has anyone's ever noticed this? If you notice the intro, this is how esoteric Full, Full Metal Alchemist is, which it talks about the exoteric alchemy, but really it's clearly esoterically at a subconscious level communicating the esoteric which is the transmutation of pain into power and obviously the main character lost his mum at the beginning of the series it says humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return to obtain something of equal value must be lost to obtain something of equal value must be lost this is alchemy's first law of equivalent exchange and it's really interesting when you look at the opening scene of Full Metal Alchemist, if you look at the book that's on the corner, and I was just like, the Golden Dawn, you can just about see it, which is signifying or pointing the viewer to what they're actually talking about. You just like see so many different codes everywhere. Like the beginning of the series, it's like an analysis of just like just 
the books that are on the shelves. The Mirror of Alchemy is the, one of the books that you can see there. And then there's a photo of the two main characters with their mother and their dad. The dad is pretty much blurred out. But if you look at the book, the brown book on the left-hand side, that clearly says Golden Dawn, which is an esoteric book about alchemy. And just see the word L-D-E-N space dawn. Clearly that's the Golden Dawn book. <laughs> the Golden Dawn book is a book by Is Israel Rigardi, which talks about the teachings, rites and ceremonies of the Hermetic Order. It is about esoteric spirituality. It's about the occult. It's about hidden symbolism and Kabbalistic philosophy. Um, I've not personally read this book myself, but simply because I've, 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 because I know a lot about alchemy. It's one of the books that was on my list because of that. And then when I was watching Full Metal Alchemist, I was like, "Ugh, why is that there?" Clearly, because we're talking about alchemy. That's inspired me to um, read it. Having inner standing for the opposite, the polarity, you know, the, the inner standing, the Virgo archetype and its complementary opposite, Pisces, and seeing how they work together. Basically, Mary and Je Jesus, basically, Mary and Jesus is basically that's what it is, is the feminine and the masculine. I realize, which is really interesting to look at. So, Isis, which is obviously aka Virgo, the virgin. She was also the wife to Osiris, Osiris being the god of the underworld. If you look at the polarity between Isis, the queen of heaven, and who she was married to, Osiris, the god of the underworld, that is the hermetic principle as above, so below. Mm, I love that. So again, it's looking at that polarity again. So you've got high in the heaven, you know, Isis, the queen of heaven, um, and then the depth to that, which is the opposite, is who she was married to and in terms of, you know, ancient Egypt, spirituality, Kemetic spirituality, spirituality, which is Osiris, who is the god of the underworld. And it's really interesting because one of the ways in which we can learn to be empowered in the virgin archetype rather than being depowered by muting our sexuality um, or overly identifying with the way that the world views the word virgin as opposed to actually meaning what it means, which is self-contained. When a woman, historically speaking, went from being the, 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 the um, property of her father to then being married off to a man to be then the property of her, of her husband, the way in which the virgin archetype can be alchemized is going from being the property of somebody else to being self-contained. I am not the property of somebody else, whether it be subconsciously my father and therefore the men that I date that, rep that mirror back to me my father's love, the lack of or the embodiment of. You can tra transcend that and be consciously aware of, hey, this is the type of man I'm interested in and I want to date this type of man and not necessarily live from a subconscious blueprint of my father showed me the lack of or the you know the overwhelming sense of um you know a healthy type of love in those first seven years and then the men that you attract is very young in this but the men that you you are attracted to represent the mirror image of your your dad's love coming back to you or whoever represented the masculine in your parents caregivers or mother and father relationship and the whole point of Virgo energy in its virgin archetype is to overcome that father complex. So you have um, 
the virgin archetype in in order for you to master if this is the energy that you embody and you feel more comfortable with this virgin archetype one of the ways in which that self um sufficient energy can show up in an authentic way rather than being like hey world i'm self-sufficient i don't need you da, 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 da. like closing yourself off from others or closing yourself off to, to, to sexual energy or closing your own sexual energy off is to overcome the father complex subconsciously so that you're not unconsciously shutting people out because you want to maintain this virgin archetype you know and persona to the world and in the same way that historically men, as I said, you know, you know, viewed their daughters as property. And then once they sold their daughters on <laughs> or give their daughters away to a man who then became, you know, his property, it's overcoming that. It's o- overcoming um, the father complex. I forgot to add this earlier on when I was talking about in the book of Revelation where it talks about the queen of heaven and she wears stars over her head and there's like a crown over her head of stars. And um, she has the the sun and the moon, which is like the balance of the masculine and the feminine. If you relate that, because obviously the queen of heaven is Isis, so it's also the Virgin Mary, if you, which is Virgo, if you, and obviously if you look at the word Mary, Ma, the first two letters of that name actually mean mother, so Mother Mary. If you look at especially pictures of the Catholic um, iconic photo, iconic photos of Mary, the Virgin Mary, she is actually depicted as the Queen of Heaven within Roman Catholicism. I'm not so sure if that's the same for Catholicism, but I know specifically for the Roman Catholic Church, because there is a little bit of a difference. Um, I think they pay more of a, oh, a respect, a more of a devotion to Mary in the Roman Catholic Church than they do simply the Catholic Church. And just like any Christian church, there are various Catholic Catholic um, split-offs and things like that. Um, the Roman Catholic Church is one one universal Catholic Church, but Roman Catholic Church, but I think like the, the, the just the Catholic Church is not necessarily Roman Catholic, if that makes any sense to anybody that understands Christianity. But so if you look at the iconic pictures of the Virgin Mary... Um, I will put a link of a few photos so that you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. So if you want to just pause this podcast for a second while you click the link, or you can just click the link anyway, you don't need to pause the podcast. There's an iconic photo that I've seen quite a lot in the Roman Catholic Church, and it's a photo of Mary. And above her head, she is wearing a crown. Um, she, she has the halo as well, which is another auric thing, but... She has two angels that are holding this crown over her head and then over the head, over the crown, is a dove. On this one specific picture, I'll go through a few pictures. Underneath, she is, she's standing on a moon. A crescent moon, to be honest. She stood on a waxing or waning crescent moon and she's holding baby Jesus in her hand, in her arms, and these two angelic beings over her head that are holding a crown over her head. And that is really the queen of heaven because she's not standing on the earth. She's not in the earth. She's high above the sky. It's the queen of heaven. She has the crown over her head, which is the, the stars. Um, and she's literally stood on a moon. I'm going to look at some other pictures. So in the book of Revelation, John says, A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun. 
with the moon under her feet. So even being clothed with the sun could be that auric field around Mary, and her head, a crown of twelve stars. Her head, a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and she was crying out in birth pangs, in the agony of giving birth. In the agony of giving birth, doesn't Virgo give birth to the constellation of Pisces? <laughs> Virgin giving birth to Jesus? But these pictures are really, really interesting because there's so many. There's another one here where Mary has the sun behind her and she's literally placed in a waning and waxing moon and there's lots of stars around her. I mean, it's just so obvious that that's what the Bible was talking about. All of these pictures that I've seen of these pictures of Mary, Holy Maria, Mary, where she is stood on a full moon this time. She has the sun behind her, or what you could call the halo as well, and she is wearing a crown. I think it's really interesting to look at the symbolical language of what is is so in front of us everywhere. And it's a really beautiful picture of the Queen of Heaven. And obviously when the, the Roman Catholic Church couldn't convert all the pagans, <laughs> this is the funny thing about religion, because obviously there were a lot of pagans and people that were not wanting to join the Roman Catholic Church and not to join Christianity. So what they did, and this is something you can research in your own time, this is just something I've understood for a very long time, um, but I'm not going to go too deep into it, is that in order for the Roman Catholic Church to, to convert the pagans or to, uh, you know, invite more people in, they would mix in paganism and mythology. I think the Roman Catholic version of Mary is a bit more mythical, she's a bit more pagan. And that, that's not to say that I think that the Christian church isn't pagan as well. I think there's a mixture of like lots of things within Christianity. But um, so that is Virgin Mary. It is the title given to an ancient sky goddess. Why is the Virgin Mary always painted in the Roman Catholic church in the sky? Why is she always positioned in the sky above the earth? Because it's, she's a sky goddess. And she was worshipped throughout ancient Mediterranean. And this also includes in Anna. In Anna? Am I pronouncing that right? The Queen of Heaven goes all the way back to Egypt. Talking about all the signs of the zodiac are allegorically mentioned in the Bible. Even in Genesis 1 verse 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs for the season and for days and for years. As far as I've looked into this, the 12 zodiac signs represent the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, which are the disciples of the sun, the central sun, which is Jesus, and the saviour um, and the light of the world that we see keep, we see coming in the clouds. Um, the sun being made up of these constellations, which include the path of the sun. These are all stars. And I think that the Bible is a really beautiful book that really does talk about allegorically and metaphorically about a loss of astrology. And I think it's been possibly been keeping hidden from people because I think is are people ready to hear that type of esoteric truth? I don't know, but I find it very interesting. I'm just going to go a little bit deeper into astro theology here. Um, I'm going to read from Astrodynamics. 
the fact that our Judeo-Christian mythos, mythos is a de derivation of earlier religions and legends have moved into the mainstream and the idea that the divinity of Jesus has parallels with other gods is no longer a shocking idea. I mean, to me, born of a virgin, I'm I'm just thinking of Krishna right now because Krishna is so similar to Christ. Um, most of us realise that Jesus wasn't born on Christmas Day. Shepherds don't watch their flocks in December, even in ancient Judea, and that the Christmas holiday was adopted because it was already being celebrated as the winter solstice in the pagan world. The winter solstice is celebrated as the time when the dying sun, the dying god, which is the sun, S-U-N, is resurrected again, the sun is reborn, and the days begin to lengthen. And then there's a book called uh, The Christ Conspiracy. I have not specifically read this book, so I'm only saying what it says here about some of the points from the book, but there's a point, number one, the sun dies for three days at the winter solstice to be born again, on December the 25th. We can clearly relate that to the resurrection of Christ. Point number two, the son of God is born of a virgin, which refers to both the new or virgin moon and the constellation of Virgo. Virgin moon, when we look at the picture of the Queen of Heaven, Mary, mother of Jesus, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, why is she always positioned on that moon? It's always a, a waxing moon or um, a waning moon. Point number three, the sun's birth is attended by the bright star, either Sirius or Sothis, I'm not pronouncing that right, or the planet Venus, and by the three kings representing the three stars in the belt of Orion. Point number four, the sun is at its zenith, or 12 noon, in the house of the heavenly temple at the most high. Thus he begins his father's work at age 12. Jordan Maxwell relates that at that point, all Egypt offered prayers to the Most High God. Isn't it interesting, again, with the numbers of Jesus, that um, he began his father's work at the age of 12. When you combine those two numbers together, it's three, which is a very, very, very interesting number. He also dies at the age of 33. That's a master-initiated occult number, Um which is the double of three when he started his work at the age of 12 and when he died at the age of 33. And again, I've said this so many times that 33 is a very initiated number. Like we have 33 vertebrae in our spine. And also when you look at Jacob's ladder in the Bible, that's all to do with that Kundalini awakening rising as well. It's something I've mentioned in the podcast before when you look at why did Jesus die at age 33? I find it very interesting and there's a lot of people that say he's an ascended master. The sun enters its the sun enters into each zodiac sign at 30 degrees. Hence the sun of God, S-U-N of God, begins his ministry at age 30. The sun of the visible heavens has moved northward 30 degrees and stands at the gate of Aquarius, the water bearer, or John the Baptist of the mystic planisphere. And here begins his work in ministry of Palestine. Another point, the son of God is the carpenter who builds his daily houses of 12 two-hour divisions. The followers or disciples of the son are the 12 signs of the zodiac through which the son must pass. The son of God changes water into wine by creating rain, ripening the grape of the vine and fermenting the grape juice. The son of God walks on water referring to its reflection upon the water's surface. I mean... 
the sun literally does reflect on the water and that literally looks like the son of god is walking on water the sun the literal sun s-u-n the son of god and all of these sons of god um <laughs> is s-u-n that i'm talking about the son of god calms the sea and he rests in the boat of the heaven. That's Matthew 8, verse 23, 27. When the Son of God is annually and monthly reborn, he brings life to his former self, raising it from the dead. S-U-N. The Son of God triumphantly rides an arse <laughs> and her foal in the city of peace when it enters the sign of cancer, which contains two stars called the little asses. That sounds just... Uh, sounds awful saying that and reaches its fullness s-u-n god the son of god is the lion when in leo the hottest time of the year called the throne of the lord this should be making sense to those that understand the bible and and making that connection to astrotheology the son of god is betrayed by the constellation of the scorpion we all know who the scorpion is who betrayed the son of God. The backbiter, the time of the year when the solo hero loses its strength. This is also the origin of the term backstabber, which also indicates betrayal. We all know who betrayed Jesus and he represents Scorpio. The son of God is hung on a cross, which represents its passing through the equinoxes. The vernal equinox being Easter from the pagan festival. Estari, estari, estari. E-O-S-T-E-T-R-E. -E. The Son of God, um, this is all S-U-N God, but it's obviously, it's making you think about the Son of God being, you know, Son of God in the Bible, whatever. The Son of God darkens when it dies. The solar God as the sun of evening or autumn was the suffering dying sun or the dead sun buried in the netherworld. The Son of God, this is from Matthew 28, verse 20. The Son of God is with us always to the close of the age. Referring to the ages of the procession of the equinoxes. The procession of the equinoxes takes 26,000 years to complete one cycle. Also, I've read as well that like where it's talking about the Son of God is with us always to the end of the age. Well, Jesus represented Pisces. And the age, once that Pi age of Pisces ends, we go into the next age, which is, when you look at it in reverse, it's the sign before, which is Pi um, Aquarius. We go into the Aquarius age, which makes sense. You know, Christ will be with you until that age. And then obviously Aquarius takes over. Um, the, son of, the son of God is the light of the world and comes on clouds and everyone sees him. I mean, that's the sun, right? <laughs> this is the funny point when we're when I was at this service and she was literally she was literally saying, you know, whatever title you want to give to God, like you know, whatever it could literally be the sun in the sky. Because for some people, it is like to 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 worship something as so as magnificent as the sun and the moon. What I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, I don't personally worship the sun, but. <laughs> um, the son of God rising in the morning. I mean, I appreciate it. The son of God rising in the morning is the saviour of mankind. I mean, yeah. The son of God wears a corona, a crown of thorns or halo. Every picture you've ever seen in the Roman Catholic Church of Christ always has some sort of like yellow halo around his head. You know, you know, and apparently, you know, for a lot of people that just symbolises purity and being holy. But that's a corona. You know, and even even during the Corona period, 
that's when you're supposed to put your crown on your head, your crown chakra, take your mind back from these low vibratory um, frequencies that are going out to, to pollute people's consciousness. Um, I was watching last night, I have to edit, edit this podcast so much because I'm like smacking my lips every time. I watched last night, what was I watching? Oh yeah, because I haven't finished watching the, the full season, fourth season of Westworld. I started watching it when it came out and then I just got really busy and I've just recently gone back to it. And last night, this is a bit of a spoiler if anyone's not watched the fourth episode of the fourth season or it might have been the third episode. And it was the episode where Maeve and... No, it's not Luke. Maeve and Caleb were going to that big station of where Westworld is being controlled. And Maeve realises that nobody's actually controlling Westworld from there, but it's actually this big, massive, massive, like, crone-shaped, big, massive, like, frequency-emitting, disturbingly emitting, like, very, very, very low frequencies that is causing people to self-destruct it causes people to kill themselves it's interesting that it's of a very 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 low vibration to the point where they mimic caleb's caleb's daughter um it's an like an android <laughs> it's like a, a ho uh kind of like is it a host a kind of like a robot that that um if anyone's seen westworld you're gonna get what i'm saying so basically um, a fake version of Caleb's daughter's there, which which plays on Caleb's emotions to get him into the room to try and save his daughter, because these low frequencies are causing his daughter, which he finds out is not his daughter, by the way, it's actually a robot, um, it's just playing on his emotions, it causes his daughter to pull a trigger, to get a gun and basically try and kill herself. And in order to override the low vibrations of this system, Maeve taps into her she's basically meditating because basically where she's closing her eyes and she she's you know Caleb's like Maeve help me like what the fuck are you doing hurry up she's gonna like literally kill herself and there's nothing I can do because he stood behind a glass window and he can't get to her and his little daughter can't see him behind the glass and so Maeve is tapping into this like universal consciousness she can't override the system and like time's ticking and then she goes to the highest frequency within herself she's closing her eyes it's clearly a meditative state and she shatters the whole glass now the only reason she'd shatter the whole glass is if that was at a very 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 high frequency and it's interesting because that's what actually overrides the low vibratory fe uh, frequencies that are coming from this big crone system that literally is controlling the whole of westworld um find that i find that really interesting because ultimately westworld is about creating your own world it's about becoming conscious of the game that we're in and finding this in a labyrinth which a labyrinth is always referring back to and it's not the same as a maze it's referring back to the journey within the journey within the self in a maze you often get lost um, it reminds me of the labyrinth. Yeah, it is a labyrinth, but it's also like an inner maze where she does actually get lost, but she finds the centre of herself, comes back to herself and her own sovereignty and her own um, um, purpose, which is to become that mature sister to her brother. And Westworld is so interesting because it's very esoterically coded for the times. And I think it's like really important that 
we understand frequency and vibration because very, 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 very low frequencies can be very disrupt disruptive. And that's why it's really important not to like over obsess over the news because ultimately, what does the news do anyway? It's not actually showing you the good parts of what's happening in the world. There is such thing as balance and polarity. And it's like, well, just raise your vibration a bit higher. You know, it's not bypassing anything, but it is being like, well, why would you focus just on the negative? I mean, you, you focus on the negative, you're going to feel negative. Therefore, your feelings are going to cause you to project negativity out. I mean, it's it's really that simple. But going back to astral theology, um, the, the sun has been worshipped since the beginning of time um, as the bringer of life. Um, and carrying on reading here and the moments of the sun create the solar cycle which is the wheel of the turning of the seasons that correspond to the astrological cycle of the sun through the cardinal signs the cardinal signs being libra capricorn cancer and aries at the northern hemis hemisphere winter solstice the sun enters capricorn to be followed by the spring sun when the sun enters aries which is really the start of the new year aries season why we celebrate in the dead of winter i have no idea mithra's birthday which um, this another wrote is another god was on December the twenty fifth, close to the winter solstice. For three days, December the twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fourth, the sun dies on the exact same latitudinal degree. This is the only time in the year that the sun actually stops its movement northward or southward in our sky. On the morning of December the twenty fifth, the sun moves one degree northward, beginning its annual journey back to us in the northern hemisphere ultimately bringing our spring. Anything steadily moving all year long that suddenly stopped moving for three days was considered to have died. Therefore, God's son, who was dead for three days, moves one degree northward on December the 25th and is symbolically born again. John Maxwell. Jordan Maxwell. I want to read something else here that um, relates to Virgin Mary again. Sirius, the brightest star in the night sky, is the star in the east. On December the 24th, it aligns with the three brightest stars in Orion's belt, which are called, and have been called since ancient times, the Three Kings. I mean, you see where I'm going with this, right? The Three Kings line up perfectly with Sirius, pointing to the exact spot in which the sun will rise the next morning. The larger constellation in which, the larger constellation in which this takes place was known to the ancients as the manger or the cradle, which is visible just before dawn on December the 25th. So the three kings or the three magi effectively follow the star in the east to the manger, the birthplace of God's son at the winter solstice. Easter also derives from the eastern star Sirius. Easter also create, um, goes back to the goddess Ishtar as well. The three gifts of the magi are frankincense, myrrh and gold. Frankincense is an amber resin that was burned at solar temples. Myrrh was known as the tears of the sun and gold too long represented the sun in the ancient world the recurrent virgin theme represents the constellation virgo the ancient glyph for virgo looks like an m which explains the m names of virgin mothers like jesus mother mary adonisis mother miria buddha's mother maya and horus's mother isis mary virgo is also called the house of bread which is interesting because the bible talks about the house of bread and the zodiacal symbol shows a woman holding a chaff of wheat, representing the August-September time of harvest. Bethlehem also means house of bread, which is a reference to the constellation Virgo, not a place on earth. At its lowest point, the sky on December the 22nd, the sun 
At its lowest point in the sky on the December the 22nd, the sun resides in the Southern Cross or the Crooks, 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 a cross formed by stars symbolising a crucifixion. After steadily travelling downward since the last solstice, the sun stops moving at the Southern Crooks for three days, then rises again. The sun, S-U-N, slash sun, S-O-N, dies on the cross and after three days is resurrected. No people of the ancient world believed the sun to be God. Yes, you meant to be God. That belongs to the disinformation file. In, In point of fact, every ancient culture and nature of Earth have all used the sun as the most logically appropriate symbol to represent the glory of the unseen creator of the heavens. And this is what I agree with, like, if you're a Christian and you're realising its connection to astrotheology, it's not like, oh, we worship the sun, da 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 No, 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 the sun is just a reflection of, of, of the creator, like, rather than us worshipping the, the creation itself, you know? And I think, like, even I have appreciate paganism very, very much, but I, I personally don't worship nature. I see that nature is a reflection of that intelligent design. And then here it says, here is an important point to remember. Two points. First, with the exception of Japan, the ancient world mythologies always understood the sun to be masculine in qualities and the moon to be feminine. Second, the English language is derived derived from the German. In the Germanic, the word sun is spelt S-O-N-N-E, which is sun, S-O-N. The two words can and have been used interchangeably. Ancient man saw in his male offspring his own image and likeness, and in his own image as a father was proved by the person of his son. Thus it was assumed that God's son was a visible representative of the unseen creator in heaven. So it was said, when you have seen the son, you have seen the father. Said another way is the father is the glorified in his son. The ancient people reasoned that no one on earth could have ever laid claim on the ownership to the sun, S-U-N. Such a magnificent heavenly body must belong to the unseen creator of the universe. It became figuratively, it became figuratively speaking, not man's, but God's S-U-N sun. It was only a short hop and skip to the understanding that God's sun, S-U-N, was the light of the world. Logically, even if man himself dies, as long as the sun comes up each day, life on earth will continue forever. Therefore, it is said in the ancient text that everlasting life was the gift that the father gives through his son, Eshiren, Jordan Maxwell. Continuing on with Jordan Maxwell. um, To ancient man, the most dangerous feared enemy was the unknown darkness of night, thereby making the sun, the light, heaven's gift to the world. Without its light, we cannot see... Without its warmth, we cannot move. Without its energy, our food cannot grow. Our very lives depend on the energy emitting from the sun, making our life, making it our life and our saviour. God so loved the world that he has given his only begotten son, so that we may have everlasting life. This is why Deuteronomy 4 verse 24 and Hebrews 12 verse 29 says that God is a consuming fire in heaven. The prince of darkness is the dark evil, the devil. Devil, God is the good. God's son is the light of the world and the prince of peace. The peace he brings is solace. Solace again from the word solar, meaning sun. 
In the Egyptian personification, the Prince of Darkness was known as Set, and the sun was known as Horus. I mean, that makes sense, right? The word hour comes from Horus. So every night at sunset, <laughs> sunset, the Dark Prince overtakes the world. But every morning, the sun is born again at sunrise. Horus is, Horus is risen on the horizon. Horizon, Horus, hour. This is where we get the word hero. Hooray! And also why an interpretation of the zodiac is horoscope. At daybreak, this wonderful newborn child, God's son, is born again. Horus is risen. Even today, when the sun comes up, we see it on the on the hours. We see it on the Horus risen or hori horizon. That's what it means. Horizon means Horus risen. His life was also divided into 12 parts or steps across heaven each day. 12 Horus 12 hours. This is the origin of the modern 12-step program. Horus is the newborn sun or the bringer of the light. In Latin, light bringer is Lu Lucis or Lucifer or Luke. God's son brought his wonderful light to the world and distributed it over 12 months. So it is said that God's son has 12 companions or helpers that assisted his life-saving work, life work. So it was God's son had 12 apostles or 12 months that followed him religiously throughout his life. Incidentally, now you know why the American jury system has 12 jurors who help bring the truth to light with the light of truth, keeping in mind God's son symbolically represents the light of truth, but was condemned by his enemies who could not endure the light of truth in their lives. When we are confronted with the harsh realities of life, the light of truth which, was, which we do not want to face, and which runs counter to our views, such truth is judged in your mind or judged in the temple area of your brain and put to death in your head. Therefore, God's son, the truth and the light is put to death at Golgotha or the place of the skull located somewhere between your ears. This putting to death the light of truth in your mind is always accompanied by two thieves, regret for the past and fear of the future. And of course, God's son goes to his death wearing a corona, which is Latin for crown. That's Jordan Maxwell. And yeah, the, the two thieves at the cross is very interesting. It represents as well the polarity because one understands and admits what he did and the other one is just like the complete opposite of that. So that Virgo energy represents, it's a very feminine energy of psychological wholeness in its empowered state obviously we've spoken about the shadow state but virgin means self-contained there's a there's a there's a wholeness to what it means to be self-contained and also kind of like a mystery to virgo in in a very similar way to scorpio i would definitely say that virgo is a very mysterious sign and i suppose that is mysterious for somebody to be very very self-contained um, at least to give that image that they are self-contained and then just to be whoever they want to be behind that image you know it's um virgo is um associated with persephone which is the the daughter of the earth goddess um and one of the most important things we can learn from virgo energy regardless of whether you have virgo in your birth chart regardless of whether you think astrology is bullshit which is very valid <laughs> to have an opinion of like that because it's just how you choose to see the world is that it's reminding ourselves to 
be self-sufficient, to be, to rely on ourselves, which again, if you look at it, the, the, op the complementary opposite to Virgo energy is Pisces, which is self-sacrifice. You can see the polarity there with one sign that is self-sufficient, don't need anybody, you know, because I'm the queen of heaven, bitch, you know, and it's opposite sign, opposite but complementary, which is one of self-sacrifice. Literally, Jesus hung in on the cross being like, I am dying for you to save you from sin. I am dying in your place. That's the, you know, uttermost sacrifice, you know. Um, and the balance between being self-sacrificial and being self-contained, being self-sufficient. There's there's a balance there when you look at the, the middle way. Um, and having those high standards for ourselves you know, realising that we can work with Virgo energy to have these high standards, not to, not to necessarily be like, you know, nobody can meet my standards. But again, Virgo is ruled by Mercury. So it's that, it's that intelligence, applying intelligence to every area of your life. You know, you go on a date with a Virgo and it's not just going to be like, Wham bam, you know, if it's not the shadow side of Virgo, wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, I just want to get in your pants. It's like there's something methodical about the way that Virgos approach everything, and it even shows up in <laughs> the dating, you know, dating of Virgo, which is really, really interesting. I just want to go back to astrotheology with Jesus and Mary, which is Pisces and Virgo. Just reading from an online source here, but. Venus, the queen of heaven. Venus is a primary feature of the night sky. Why do we always see Virgin Mary in the night sky? And so has been of remarkable importance in mythology, ast astrology and fiction throughout history and in different cultures. Venus is the planet of Friday. It's interesting how Venus is also connected very much with the moon as well and how the Islamic symbol is the moon. And their holy day is Friday, which is Venus Day. I mean, that's just really interesting. In languages deriving from Latin, such as Romanian, Spanish, French and Italian, the word for Friday often resembles the word Venus. In Norse paganism, the planet is associated to Freyja, the goddess of love, beauty and fertility. Various planets in Scandinavia once bore her name, bore her name but it was replaced with the name of the Virgin Mary during the process of Christianization. Venus is the Roman goddess whose functions compassed love, beauty, desire, sex, fertility, prosperity, and victory. In Roman mythology, she was the mother of the Roman people through her son. I can't pronounce this. A-E-N-E-A-S, who survived the fall of Troy and fled to Italy. The Romans adopted the myths and iconography of her Greek counterpart, Aphrodite, for Roman art and Latin literature. In the latter classical tradition of the West, Venus became one of the most widely referenced deities of Greco-Roman mythology, Greco mythology as the embodiment of love and sexuality. In Indian astrology, Venus is known as Shukra, which means lucid, clear, bright and represents wealth, pleasure, and reproduction. The word Shukra is also associated with semen or generation. It is named after a powerful saint, Shukra. It was the son of B-H-R-G-U, <laughs> preceptor of the 
Deityas and Guru of the Asuras. So I'm going to get to Venus with... Talks about Venus, the morning star, and da, 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 da. and even in the Bible, it says to look to the stars, for, you know, as signs. I think that's pretty explanatory, self-explanatory. Um, You know, we don't want to be using um, the, you know, we don't want to be term determining our lives um, by the stars, you know, but I do think that it helps to give like an outline. And if you can use astrology in some way um, for self-empowerment, then, you know, then why not? If it helps you to understand the world in a better way. And yeah, I think like not looking too deep into the astro astrotheology of things at the moment, but just coming back to how you can use the virgin archetype in your life if that's something that resonates with you. Do you know what? I was watching um, Savannah Brown because I've been subscribed to her for a few years now. Um, and obviously she's, she's American and she lives in England. And she's actually she's a poet and she's actually um i actually missed one of her concerts she's got like a poetry night in manchester in a few weeks and it's sold out and i'm gutted because like her poetry is so beautiful and she was saying <laughs> that she doesn't get all these like maya maya briggs maya's briggs like personality tests and she was saying that she's a cancer sun libra moon and aquarius rising what, what does that actually mean and she's the most like reclusive person like ever you know, and she's always like questioning things and there's always like all of these like philosophic philosophical thoughts just like pondering around her mind. And it's interesting that she that she was saying that from this when she's talking about the when she's using the word soul, she doesn't actually mean this like spark of who you were before you came into this body or anything like that. I don't get the impression she's um a spiritual person or anything, but she has some interesting thoughts. And it and it you know, it it's it's interesting to see that like regardless of whether you think astrology is bullshit or not, I don't even think it really matters. I think just if something helps you to perceive the world in, in a brighter way, I think that that just helps. And like I was watching, oh, what's the gentleman's name again? Michael Bernard Beckwith. He did speak on The Secret, but I'm, I subscribe to his, um, I think it's Agape House YouTube channel and sometimes I watch his videos. And he was talking about like not holding so tightly to beliefs and and obviously going from the age of Pisces to, to to I believe to the age of Aquarius to I know there's a big difference between I believe and no I know but even if all of that's bullshit even if everything that I've said in this podcast is podcast is bullshit ultimately it doesn't really matter because when we hold so tightly to beliefs we realize that we're not actually experiencing the flow of life so it's like one of my friends said to me the other day but you're pagan aren't you and I was like, what? When have I ever actually said, I am pagan? No, I have deep respect for paganism and I do incorporate paganism into my life. But I, I joined my friend at church the other week and I was singing Christian songs. And, and for me, I can do that. I can go into any religious building and be a part of any spiritual practice. <clears throat> I'm sure there's some out there that I wouldn't 
be a part of. <laughs> but the ones that I have experimented with and feel okay there and, and have my own personal experience. It's not a collective, like, we all believe the same thing. No, it's just my own perception of what Christianity is to me or my own perception of how paganism, you know, how I relate to that. And I was just like to my friend, no, I'm not pagan. I'm not anything. You know, I've gone through this spiritual confused place where I've been like, but I really vibe with Hinduism, but I really vibe with this spiritual practice. And every time I've overly identified with it, I've completely pulled back because I realize that I'm attached to it. And in looking at like whether, again, whether you believe in astrology or not, it doesn't matter whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, like whether you're pagan, whether you're whatever, atheist, agnostic, I suppose if you're atheist, you probably wouldn't resonate with this. But again, like, I don't know, like if you're agnostic and you just don't know what to believe, like it doesn't matter because ultimately I don't hold so tightly to this belief. All it is, is a way <laughs> of seeing through our experience and Michael Bernard Beckwith was saying that he was saying that like don't hold so tightly to your beliefs because at the end of the day when you get to the end of your life you might realize all of the, that which you believed was bullshit and like when we strongly believe in something and somebody else doesn't believe in it isn't it interested how you how you prejudge that person because they don't believe which is the mental perception using your imagination to create something that could be real and it might not be real you know it's like oh you know all it is is a way to perceive the world and all it is for me is a way to help to understand people at deeper levels um and, and that's all it really is whether there's an absolute truth or there is not an absolute truth how do we know what this reality really is you know, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, what even is this life? How do I know I'm not the only person that's alive on this planet? How do you know that you're not the only person alive? How do you know that I'm actually real? How do you know that you're real? Then you look at the word real and it's just like, but what is real though? That which we call fake, how do we know that's not real and what we call real is fake? How do we actually know what this existence is? <laughs> like I used to think to myself what if I died when my mother gave birth to me and everything that I've been experiencing is the afterlife but it's what I'm trying to say is that like what we what we as individuals perceive as real somebody else might not perceive as real your belief system is so subjectively valid to you as an individual and if you can use it if you can work with the Virgo archetype if you want to if it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't need to make sense because it doesn't make sense to you as an individual. This podcast is going to resonate to those that like, they like to work with a bit of magic and they like allegory and mythology and things like that and working with the spiritual, which is just really another word for energy. But we don't have to be so serious about it. <laughs> we don't have to be that serious Virgo who's just like, mm, I'm going to apply a methodical approach to that. Not really going to go with the flow, you know, because... Virgo is very, very methodical and it's complementary opposite Pisces is very go with the flow. <laughs> it's that Neptune, Jupiter energy. It's like flow, expansion. And Virgo is very, it's got more of a controlled energy. So really, 
Whether you believe in astrology or not, this is the most simple way of looking at astrology. To me, all it is is the balance of polarity. That's it. Look at Taurus and Scorpio. When we're in Taurus season, Taurus is complementary opposite, which is Scorpio. So in Taurus season, what is astrology helping us to do? It's just helping us to balance our polarity within. That's it. Do you have to be spiritual to get that? I don't think so. Do you have to actually believe in astrology to get that? I don't think so. When we're in Capricorn season, the new or full moon will be in Cancer. Why? We're working with the energy of Capricorn. In Capricorn, complementary opposite is Cancer, Earth and Water. So in Capricorn season, what are we learning to do? In the dead of winter, where we might become a little bit dead unto ourselves, you know, emotionally, balance that out. Balance the polarity with that Cancer energy. When we're in Aquarius season, what are the full or new moons in? In Leo. Why? To bring balance to, to that Aquarius energy. That's all astrology is. And if I could just put it in that sentence, that, that literally is what it is for me. It's just, there is a middle way be between the swing of polarity in life. That our society is so polarised and here astrology is helping people to just balance that out a little bit. You know, that's all it is to me. So hey, if you want to work with Virgo energy work with it. You know, I don't have any Virgo in my planets. I do in my houses, but not my planets. And it, it's, a, it's a mercurial energy that I could work with a bit more. Just to give you a heads up on the next podcast, I don't normally do this by announcing what I'm going to record next week and things like that. But I'm releasing this Virgo podcast quite late in the month. We have just gone from Virgo season to Libra season. Now we're moving into Scorpio season. I made the comment about I wish I released this in Virgo season, but it's okay. But I have done a podcast on Scorpio, a really in-depth podcast on Scorpio, which I'm actually going to release in a few days time. So normally I would leave at least a week between podcasts, but because Scorpio season is coming up this weekend, I want to release it right as we're transitioning. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please watch out for the next one because it's not going to be long before I do release that. Probably about three days. So yeah, a double whammy. <laughs> All right, bye.